Well, hello, everyone. I'm Tyler Cressman, and welcome to the Cressman Conversation. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about this guy named Chess Boudin, this character from San Francisco, who just got voted out as the DA of that pretty major city in the U.S. And we're going to talk about the implication that that has for the future elections here coming up in November, as well as the direction of the country. So most people don't care who live outside of San Francisco about this guy, Chesa Boudin. So we're going to not waste an episode talking about him, but broader implications at the at large in the country. Chesa Boudin was a criminal justice reformer DA. He was one of these guys that were elected post-Ferguson running on the platform of being nicer to criminals. Criminal justice reform saying that the problem with crime in this country is not that there's too much of it. It's that we're too mean to people who are criminals. And this all stems from a variety of reasons, a, a misunderstanding about policing in our society or the prison population in our society and this idea that we live in 1950 and that the police are still systemically racist and that the real problem is not crime but the police. So this is all misguided and untrue. We're going to go through some numbers here to demonstrate this right now. People talk about the over-incarceration problem in the United States, and I went through and pulled up some numbers. I knew most of these off the top of my head because this is actually something I've talked about quite a bit, but I wanted to make sure that they were all accurate and up-to-date. So right now in the United States, we have a prison population of 1.2 million people. Now, you will often hear people say that 50% of all people incarcerated are there for drug crimes. This is not true. 50% of the federal prison population are incarcerated for drug crimes. But the federal prison population is only 147,000 people of that 1.2 million. And the number of people incarcerated in federal jail for drug crimes is around 60,000 people. So a little less than 50% of people in federal jail. And the drug crimes in federal jail are not the guy walking around with a baggie full of marijuana who got arrested and went to prison. These are traffickers who move large-scale products. That's how you get federally charged with a crime. So the, the 67,000 people are big-time drug dealers. They're not, they're not people who are arrested for drug possession and wind up going to jail. These are your pushers, and there's a difference right there off the bat. But ignoring the fact that 50% of our prison population, that 1.2 million, is, are not in for drug crimes— we're going to go through some numbers here. I, I did this this morning. 134,000 people of the 1.2 million are in there for what we consider violent crimes. Now, this is rape, sexual assault, assault, battery, armed ro- or, uh, robbery, and murder. So, over two-thirds of people we house in jail are there for strictly what we consider the violent crimes. So over 66% of our prison population in there for violent crimes. This does not include burglary, larceny, grand theft, negligent manslaughter, or fraud, which account for a lot of the remaining. Now, the rest of it, the drug crime stuff, is what we just talked about. The people housed in state jail, which is the majority of the population, you had about 48,000 there for the crime of drug possession. 
But again, this is not the guy with the baggie of weed who got arrested and then goes to prison. Those are not the people we're talking about. Those people used to exist. We used to send people to jail over misdemeanor possession nonsense. If we want to talk about criminal justice reform, legalizing marijuana or decriminalizing some of the drugs, I'm for this stuff. But if we just say that the majority of our prison population are in there for nonviolent crimes, it is not true. It's not true. So when people talk about we have an over-incarceration problem, I would like you to point to me the people that you want to let out of jail because two-thirds of them are in there for violent crimes, not victimless crimes, violent crimes, crimes against other people. And I don't think we should be letting these people out of jail. It has bad consequences for the rest of society. When these criminal justice reformer DAs get in, they do a lot of things to try and make the system better in their opinion or nicer in their opinion or to take some of the prejudice out of the system that they see as the problem. Here's what Boudin did in San Francisco. And, what, and all of these, by the way, are terrible ideas. Every single one of them on their face. Here are the list of his accomplishments as DA. He put a prohibition on cash bail so no criminals could uh, there was no bail system in place in San Francisco he refused to prosecute any juvenile as an adult you might think that's a good thing but what about this case which one of his included a 17 year old who shot and murdered a child I believe the child was six and he was given seven years which is the maximum sentence for a juvenile and the family is obviously not very happy that their murdered six-year-old the person who shot and killed their child He's going to prison for seven years. So some juveniles should be treated like adults. When you're 17 and you shoot and kill a child, not on accident, then yes, you should be tried as an adult, but he refuses to try any juveniles as adults. He refuses to use California's anti-gang and three-strike laws. California has some pretty heavy gang activity. They invented these laws, I believe, in the 90s. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think it was in the 90s that were specifically targeted to known gang members. If you have known gang affiliation, you can use some of California's laws to make your sentence harsher. None of that. No three-strike laws. So any felon who has three felonies convictions typically gets a harsher sentence. Boudin refuses to do that as well. No prosecuting of any crimes from pre Textual traffic stops. So you get a broken taillight, you're caught speeding, you get pulled over, and then the police, for whatever reason, they search you, they find that you've committed a crime of some kind, he doesn't prosecute any of that, which is actually, some people think that that's good, I do not, because if you pull someone over and then they've actually committed a crime, then there you go. He reduced the jail population in San Francisco by half, and he reduced the pre-trial jail population as well. In all of 2021, Boudin only prosecuted, or not prosecuted, he convicted three drug offenses, period, in the entire year. San Francisco has a population of 815,000 people, a higher working population than that, a much higher working population than that. And in all of 2021, his office only had three convictions for drug crimes at all. So... Oh, and let's look at some specific cases here. His office let Ramos Hernandez out of jail on a mental health diversion. This is another thing that he did, these mental health diversions. So instead of seeking jail time, you would seek mental health counseling. Well, this young man attacked an 84-year-old Asian man and beat him quite severely. And rather than go to jail, he went to get counseling for his feelings. 
Boudin then claimed that Lau, which is the name of the man who was attacked, wanted the man released, but his family said Lau only speaks Cantonese, and when we talk to him, he says, no, he wants harsh, strict punishment. You're lying. Your office is lying. So this was actually such a big case that a couple groups, Asians Are Strong, United Peace Collaborative, Stop AAPI Hate, and a couple other groups actually protested the DA's office over this decision to release this man who committed a hate crime and served no jail time. Now, crime in San Francisco is up 8% this year. Crime is up all over, to be fair, but it's up 8% this year, and it was already rising in the past two years and before that. So San Francisco is waking up to what soft on crime progressive policies actually get you, which is not safer streets, because it turns out criminals don't respond to being allowed to commit crime. What Boudin did was essentially decriminalize crime. You've seen these videos, and if you haven't, you should. Any theft under $500 is not considered a criminal offense in San Francisco. And people just go into stores and they steal $400 worth of stuff and you can't stop them. Security guards can't stop them. Police can't stop them because they actually open themselves up to civil liability if they put hands on a person who is stealing from a store. So you'll see security guards just stand by and watch because they are not legally allowed to do anything for fear that Boudin's office will prosecute them for a crime. So people will go in with garbage bags and clean out entire shelves in a Walgreens and then leave. Walgreens has closed something like 18 stores in San Francisco and said explicitly, it is because shoplifting is out of control. We can't do anything to stop it. And people wonder why this is the case. It's because of your DA. Your DA has a lot of pull when it comes to prosecuting crimes. They can do it or they cannot do it. And he has chosen not to do it because he doesn't believe in the criminal justice system. When you undermine the criminal justice system and say everything it does is actually an injustice, why would people want to utilize it? Why would this guy want to utilize it? It doesn't make any sense. So when we elect people to these DA positions who don't actually believe in our criminal justice system, all it does is make crime worse. San Francisco is waking up to this right now. Hopefully the rest of the country will follow suit. We have one here in St. Louis. Terrible. Kim Gardner is a terrible DA. She's bad at her job and has done a really bad job preventing any crime. Saint, does anyone in St. Louis City feel safer with Kim Gardner here than we did 10 years ago? Absolutely not. Nobody would say that. But when you elect someone whose entire goal is to dismantle the criminal justice system, then this is what you get. You get worse crime. So San Francisco voted out a couple months ago or a month ago Three school board members who were ultra-progressive, this is San Francisco we're talking about, who focused more on ending merit-based admission to select schools and renaming schools such as Abraham Lincoln Elementary, I think, or Abraham Lincoln High School, I can't remember which it was. But they, they focused on these kind of things rather than education, rather than getting the kids back in school for COVID. They were focused on doing nonsensical things that helped no one. That's exactly the same as this DA. And he was just outed with over 60% of the vote in this recall effort. So what are we looking at here? Are we looking at a backlash that's finally coming around to this crime wave that we're seeing? Are we looking at people who are waking up and realizing that, hey, I don't want people to suffer either. So when we talk about crime and we talk about criminals and we talk about the justice system railroading people, no one wants that. If you commit a crime, though, that's different. 
what we're what we were talking about in the past with criminal justice reform are the people who are railroaded by the system unjustly. Those people don't deserve to go to jail. People who are framed, people who are who are not ex- who are being exonerated by DNA evidence because it turns out they trumped up charges. We're talking about the Emmett Tills of the world, right? We're talking about these people who have been mistreated and killed and imprisoned for things they don't do. What we're not talking about are criminals who have done things. We all agree on. If you murder someone and then you go to prison for a long, long time and your life is bad, well, that's your fault. That's not the criminal justice system not working. That's your fault for being a murderer. And there's a difference there that we are failing to recognize and maybe just now the population is waking up to the fact that criminals need to be held accountable because committing crimes against people is bad and letting people out of jail who have committed those crimes is not a good idea for society. The, I was going to list off some examples here of people who were arrested multiple, multiple times. And while they're out on bail or while they're out on probation or while they're out on parole, they murder another person. I had example after example listed here, but there's too many. You could just do it all day. These people who are serial offenders need to go to jail and they need to stay there. Letting people out. You've seen this in New York and you've seen it in Los Angeles and you've seen it in San Francisco. You see it in these big cities, these guys who they'll kill someone and then it says, oh, he was arrested 10 times in the last two years. And you go, why is he not in jail? Because they don't have any incentive to keep him there. Oh, it was a relatively minor violation. Oh, it was not a big deal. Oh, it was an assault, but you know, the guy was fine. And you say, okay, but you're looking at a pattern here that this man's been arrested 10 times in the last two years, and now he's murdered someone. Where in the system did we do anything to say, hey, is this guy okay to be on the street? Because we've done nothing. And that's what San Francisco is. Violent crime in this country is up, and it is a problem. And what they typically define violent crime as are your rapes, sexual assaults, robbery, assault, and murder. That's it. Those are violent crimes. And I want to read you some statistics here that I looked up that from this year and we can talk about this so new york city for example has seen the largest increase in violent crime of any city in the country they've had a 40.6 percent increase compared to 2021 at this point in the year chicago very similar increase in violent crime there have been 17,595 reports of violent crime in the city and that's up 35 percent from last year where they had 13,026. So you're seeing a 35% increase in Chicago and a 40% increase in New York. Violent crime in Seattle up 23% with 1,815 recorded incidents compared to 1,474 last year. Los Angeles up 6%, 10,484 reports compared to, oh, I don't have the one from last year. Uh, But anyway, it was up 6.7%. Baltimore, Eight, up 8% with 3,068 incidents recorded as of this year. Homicides in Baltimore up 5% and non-fatal shootings up 14%. Washington, D.C., violent crime up 21% as of May 16th of this year. Homicides up 4%. Philadelphia up 4.7%. Shootings, 2% increase. This soft on crime stuff doesn't work. And whether we're looking at the Ferguson effect coming back, so after... Ferguson in 2014, you saw an increase in violent crime in 15 and 16, and people called it the Ferguson effect. Police pulled back for fear of being not held accountable. Held accountable is fine, but for fear of looking as though they were doing something bad, 
They don't want to engage. You don't want to be the white cop who shoots the black guy. You just don't want to be that dude. And even if the shooting is justified, your life's ruined. Look at the the guys who shot Jacob Blake, right? You're looking at a guy who is convicted of sexual assault and battery, right? He, he sh- graphic language, he shoved his fingers in some girl against his, her will. And then when that girl called the police and he winds up dead, the cops are the ones who have to deal with the backlash as if that guy is some sort of martyr by getting shot for grabbing a knife and raping a girl. And that's what the police are looking at. That was what they called the Ferguson effect. These cops who said, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for me to engage with these people and just let them go. Just pull back from their, their aggressive policing. And now we have what should be called the Minneapolis effect, which is in the post-George Floyd era. It's the same thing. We're seeing an increase in violent crime, a disregard for the law by people who are taking advantage of the fact that the police now don't want to act. They do not want to do their job in the same way because they are afraid of being labeled racist. They're afraid of being labeled as fascists and protested. You don't want to be the guy who has to shoot someone in the line of duty. And whether it's that combined with the pandemic that we're seeing this violent crime increase or the fact that also DAs in across this country have been elected with this soft on crime approach that does not work. In the 1990s, we had a gigantic spike in violent crime. And that violent crime spike was counteracted by people like Rudy Giuliani in New York. Rudy Giuliani might be crazy today, but in the 90s, everyone loved him. Because Rudy Giuliani came in in the 90s, and what did he do? He cleaned up the city. And he did not do it through backing off of criminals. He did it by saying, no, we're going to police the shit out of you. And this is where this theory of this broken windows theory of policing comes by. And the broken windows theory of policing is actually accurate. I don't know what else we need to do to learn this. Broken theories basically states that if you let the small crimes go, big crimes follow. So the idea is that if you have a window and someone throws a rock and breaks the window out in the building and it has a broken window. Well, the odds that that building is going to get more broken windows goes up exponentially. You have a nice office building. All the windows are fine. People don't just throw rocks through the windows of nice buildings typically. But the old abandoned buildings, one broken window leads to a lot more. And that's the idea with crime. Small crimes grow into big crimes. They snowball. And it's not that the same person who throw a rock through a window is then going to go commit murder. It's not like a gateway drug to homicide. But all it means is if you police the small stuff, then people feel safe in their neighborhood. And if you feel safe in your neighborhood or if the neighborhood actually is safe because you're getting criminals on small things before they get to big things, if you walk through the neighborhoods in New York City, and you say, this one feels safe. What does it have in common? No broken windows, no graffiti, no loitering people on the street. Those are the neighborhoods that feel good because when you police the small stuff, when you make the area appear safer, people are less likely to go in there and commit crime. It just It's just the way it works. It's almost the social psychology of the situation. It really does help. Hard on crime, hard on criminals. If you commit a crime... You should go to jail. That's the way it works. And, and that's and crimes against people, certainly. This is why I said I'm not for crimes against yourself. Drug use, for example, is a crime against yourself. Drug dealing is a crime against people. 
right? If you get a guy and you, if we find a guy in the U.S. and he's dealing fentanyl, send him to prison. That, that man is killing people. If you get a guy who's using fentanyl, okay, no, we don't send that guy to jail. That's a crime against him. If you commit a crime against yourself, that's not a jailable offense. Crimes against people are jailable offense. Crimes against property are jailable offenses. Crimes against yourself, which is why I've never been a fan for criminalizing drug use, drug dealing, again, different scenario. Drug dealers go to jail. Drug users go to rehab. That's the way it should work. Or, or a, a mental health counselor if they need that. That is a better path for those people. But that's not most of our criminals. That's not most of the people in prison. Two-thirds, again, there for violent crime. 134,000 people, whatever that number was I just said. 134? Scroll back up. 134,000 violent criminals in the penitentiary right now. So we have to remember this. We have to remember it's not, it's not the justice system that is rigged. Anywhere in there that we can find a law or a policy or a person who is racist or discriminatory or that we can show actually had some sort of negatively racially motivated intent, let's get rid of it. But the whole system itself works. It does work when you use it correctly. Criminals should go to jail. It is not safer to keep them on the streets. It is not an injustice to say this man assaulted someone. We let him out because he was having what Boudin once called a temper tantrum after an assault. No, no, no. It's not a temper tantrum. You put your hands on another person, you go to jail. That's the way it works, and it should work in this country. That's the way you make people safer. That's the way you make this country safer. We're having a violent crime spike right now, and these soft-on-crime DAs are just not going to cut it. We need to get rid of them. Kim Gardner, I hope she's next. I really do. I want St. Louis to be safe. I want San Francisco to be safe. I want everyone to be safe. I don't like violence. Violence is not good. It's not the answer for most problems. I say most because violence is only the answer when violence is committed against you. Basically, the way that works. I'm not a, I'm not a pacifist. If somebody was to come up here and try and fight me right now, we would fight. But that's the only time you, I would want to fight anybody. You don't, you don't commit violence. Violence is bad. That's a basic premise that we need to remember. And those people who are bad need to go to jail. If you hurt other people, you need to go to jail. Ch Chesapudin apparently never learned this. He never knew what timeout was when he was a child. I think because both of his parents actually went to prison. That might be it. No one ever put him in timeout and told him, hey, that's acceptable. His parents were uh, armed robbers and murderers and made him feel bad, I guess, for armed robbers and murderers. Anyway, we're going to leave it there. The message today is hopefully this is a wake-up call for people across the country that this, this path forward does not work. This defund the police, dismantle the system, nonsense, it doesn't work. We have the data. It's not working. It's not a good idea. We shouldn't do it. It's bad. And hopefully that's what this is. This is a wake-up call for the Democrats to say, we need to stop putting these people up and letting them talk. We need to stop making this our platform. We need to get off of this stuff. Hopefully they wake up. I doubt they will. Doesn't matter. In November, you're looking at a bloodbath. For the Democrats, they are going to get just absolutely mangled in these midterms. And I don't know if they'll even wake up then. I really don't. We'll see. I doubt it. We're going to leave it there for the day. I'm Tyler Cressman. Thanks for tuning into the episode and as always comments questions concerns leave them either in the the best place is on youtube probably at this point to leave comments 
Um, Facebook is terrible. This is not, they don't help with the video distribution whatsoever anymore. So Facebook's, all, or, or, excuse me, YouTube's a good place to do it or shoot me an email, whatever you want to do. Any questions, comments, concerns, I'd love to hear them. And right now, I'll catch you on the next episode.